0: Welcome to Best Laid Plans. This is your host, Sarah Hart Unger, and this is the podcast where we talk all things planning and planning adjacent. As this episode airs, it is the beginning of a new month. It is also the beginning of a fresh quintile for me and one that I truly love. I consider November 1st through December 31st to be like my personal reflection season And during that time, I definitely spend more time than usual journaling, thinking about how I like to plan, setting up my new system, thinking about what I want the next year to look like, reevaluating my goals and kind of just clearing the decks and, and getting ready for a new fresh start. It may seem like two months is a lot, but of course it's not like I'm putting pause on the rest of life. And I find that if I leave a lot of those planning Items till the very end of December, they really don't get the attention they deserve, especially because that often tends to be more of a celebratory family-focused time anyway. So I consider these whole two months to be fair game for lots of this kind of thought process and exercise. And I encourage you to maybe consider incorporating some of these practices for yourself and seeing if it benefits you to spend more time thinking about your next year. So in this episode, I am going to spend a little bit of time talking about what a planning retreat might look like. And in fact, I did have a bit of a planning retreat. I didn't call it that at the time, but that's kind of what it turned into with my husband recently. So I'll talk about what we did and different ways you might want to consider having planning focused retreats, whether they're more work focused or more personal. But first, we're going to answer a listener question about planning as an obliger. So actually, it's not just a question, it's kind of a tip, but I still wanted to mention it. This comes from Jennifer. She writes, Hi, I listened to the latest Best Laid Plans episode with Gretchen Rubin, that was from a couple weeks ago, and will raise my hand to say I am an obliger who does really well with planning. I think for me, putting things down in my planner creates an illusion of an outer expectation, even if I put it there in the first place. Some things that help me are not distinguishing between work and self, because I will only do some and not other tasks, checkboxes so that I feel I have met the expectation when I have done it, and recording things I do, such as meals and workouts, to show that they are done. So for those not familiar with Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies, an obliger is someone who tends to do really well with outer expectations, such as those of a boss or somebody at work above them, but doesn't really respond as well to inner expectations. Those So those who are obligers, are less likely to be able to kind of set up their own routines for themselves and follow them effortlessly, although they could perform beautifully at work when they're trying to get things done for somebody else or maybe for a family member or somebody else that's depending on them. And so I thought this was such an interesting suggestion. Gretchen Rubin herself said that to some extent, some obligers feel like they can Be obliging to their future selves. And so I wonder if that's a little bit of what Jennifer's getting at. But she also sounds like she's kind of humanizing her planner a little bit and creating the illusion that her planner would be upset if the boxes weren't checked off. So that's so interesting. And I'm so happy it works for her. And I'm curious if that's true for anybody else. I also think if you're an obliger, part of the battle is probably just making sure that you're planning things that are obliger friendly. So you might, if you're setting up a new workout program, something y- you might do is to want to be accountable to friends. And so perhaps instead of just putting check boxes in your planner for doing the workouts, you might have a weekly checkbox that's like post to what's up you know, encouragement for the group that I'm in so that you are not just relying on your own ability to check off those boxes, but you know that you are going to remain accountable to a group, especially a small group, because apparently a large group, it's very easy to just disappear. But if you have on your planner that, you know, these two friends are counting on you to report your stuff so that they can report their stuff, you're more likely to be successful. I also think it's important to make sure that what you're planning fits your tendency. I always laugh on when I'm listening to Gretchen Rubin's podcast, which is called Happier, when her sister will um, pose some new pie-in-the-sky habit that she wants to adopt. And Elizabeth, Gretchen's sister, is a a card-carrying obliger. And Gretchen will be like, Do you really want to do that? Or, like, do you think that really fits your tendency? Because it might be something where you can hear in her voice she's not excited about to begin with. And things that she's more likely to do involve serving others, building in accountability to the task rather than, than just putting the task itself as an isolated event. And so, making sure that you're kind of thinking about what you tend to respond to. When you decide what to schedule in or to plan, I think it's just an important step, especially if you've found that you've disappointed yourself a lot in the past by not following through on things that you wanted to do. So this was just a very interesting line of thinking. I would be curious if anyone listening who identifies themselves as an obliger, if you've taken that quiz and have listened to Gretchen Rubin's framework, if they've found things that work for them in order to help them follow through with the goals they want to meet or certain ways of planning that are helpful. So please let me know, I am curious. All right, so we are going to get into the retreat portion of this episode, but I think what we will do is take a brief break first. The sponsor is one of my favorites, so we're gonna take a minute and I'll be right back. Organization
1: always gives you time. Brian Tracy said a minute spent planning saves you 10 in execution. You already know this. That is why you follow Sarah and listen to the Best Laid Plans podcast. The Sunday Basket is a natural partner for your planning routine. The Sunday Basket contains and corrals all your ideas, paper notes, to-do lists, and mail safely until you're ready for your weekly planning time. The Sunday Basket system has been proven to save five hours each week once you establish a weekly habit, which usually takes four to six weeks. My name is Lisa Woodruff, and I'm the founder and creator of The Sunday Basket and the 100-Day Home Organization Program. Sarah and I chatted in episode 33, and she's been sharing her organized 365 journey with you here on Best Lake Plans. Organize 365 is proud to sponsor the Best Laid Plans podcast. You can find out more about The Sunday Basket on sundaybasket.com or try our free seven-day mini course by going to organize365.com slash mini course.
0: You are in for a treat because support for today's episode comes in part from Jenny Kane. I love Jenny Kane and I hope you love shopping there to support the show. When you do, visit jennycane.com and use code PLANS for 15% off your first order. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and this is the perfect gift to treat all the well-deserving moms, moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life. Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed easier than it's ever been before. Think minimalist and effortless, yet totally refined. This season, I am so into the beautiful dresses that Jenny Kane has on offer, My personal pick and what I'm hoping to wear all season is the Calen dress. I have it in the khaki color and feel like I could literally wear it to anything. And the best part is it's perfect for warm weather, which we have plenty of, but you could also layer it in a chilly, air-conditioned space. I also have my eye on the day dress. It's such a classic silhouette. One thing you might not know about Jenny Kane is that they also have an incredible rewards program where you can earn up to 10% back with every purchase and joining is completely free. Find your perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code PLANS, P-L-A-N-S, at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code PLANS. Get yourself and the women in your life the best gift of all, Jenny Kane. Today's episode is sponsored in part by Factor. Factor is sponsoring this episode with an awesome discount code, PLANS50, to give you 50% off your first month and 20% off the next. Trying out our sponsors helps keep the show going, and I think this is a wonderful time to give it a try, given that it's always a busy season. Factor offers no prep and no mess meals that are tailored to your wellness goals. They offer multiple options from protein plus to plant-based to keto and many more. No matter what your health goals are, you can keep kitchen time to a minimum while enjoying healthy and delicious meals with premium ingredients with Factor. You can get started feeling great and fueling well now by giving them a try. Head to factormeals.com plans50 and use code plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code plans50, P-L-A-N-S 50 at factormeals.com plans50 to get 50% off your first box Plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, I am back, and we're gonna talk a little bit about what a planning retreat might look like. And this episode. Being sponsored by Organized 365 is appropriate because the founder of Organized 365, Lisa, actually does hold virtual planning focused retreats, which she calls planning day. She has some of them that are for work and some of them that are more for household. I actually attended the last as a paying guest, uh, just a regular you know, registrant, her last planning day uh, for work. Maybe it wasn't the last one. I think it was the one before that. And I found it really inspiring. I think part of the fun was just having a lot of people that I was planning and scheming with. Lisa always brings a lot of energy. So that's one option. You could make your retreat centered around someone else's paid experience or even a group of friends that you wanted to all plan together and create a program for yourselves. So I do think that is one way that might work. And since we were talking about being an obliger, perhaps this might be the route to go if you do better in a group kind of a setting. So, you know, that is one avenue to think about. I'm sure there's also other options. So if if you've experienced some great guided planning sessions, I would love to be very interested in that as well. I think that's a fascinating kind of idea. I got a listener question that actually inspired this. So she writes, can you break down on what you do on a planning day? I have actually booked a one night corporate retreat for myself to do some business planning and generally reset. I have some specific business goals for the year and think I need to add some personal goals as well. Would love a behind the scenes of what your planning retreat time looks like. So I think that was just such a great question. For me, I tend to do the work planning separate from the rest of life planning. So I guess similar to um, Lisa's planning day, I do break these up. A work planning day typically require it happens during a work day. So perhaps on a day that I've really set clear or several hours that I've set clear to think about what is going on with work. And something that I might do during that day is to first spend some really good quality time with my lists in Apple Notes because that's where I keep a lot of my like kind of half done projects and list of various work things that I wanna do in various time horizons. And they do get kind of messy And in reading them and cleaning them up and thinking about them, I can get a lot more specific about, you know, what I really want to do in the next couple of months or within that quintile, what is a more long-term project, and usually that will help me kind of as I'm going through those set priorities for the future. I also like to spend a little bit of dedicated time thinking about my job and what I really like about it and what is going well and thinking about what I'd like to change or shift. Now that can be done on your own via journaling, or perhaps this could be a planned lunch with a colleague where you just talk about like your career and how things are going. And, you know, in an ideal world, what are the little things that you might like to change about your day-to-day work? So I think that could be a really important part of a work-focused planning day. I will definitely take some time to think about like the top few goals I want to accomplish in the next time horizon, like the next quintile. And that will usually come into my mind as I'm cleaning up my list because It just will help me see, okay, well, that's actually not a priority right now. Ooh, but that's really, really important. And I do have to challenge myself to limit myself to just a couple of big goals at a time. I find that if I have 10 or 12 goals, it is very hard to make progress on any of them. So maybe I have those goals as like things I'd like to do in the next year or even longer. But this would be the time to spend identifying, well, actually, in the next quintile, what are the top two or three things at work that I want to progress in? And then it might be good, and I've done this before, to create an Apple Notes document for each of those goals and start thinking about the next few next actions for those goals and what the time frames might look and maybe what the missing pieces are, like if I need to get some sort of expert or ask for some support, like what are the actual steps that I need to really get things moving? And then finally, another thing that would be really useful to think about during a work focused planning day would be to think about if there is a skill or kind of a focus that you want to learn about in the next year. Like maybe there is, if you're a physician, an aspect of clinical care where you don't have as much expertise as you'd like, or you'd really like to get a niche expertise, like how could you learn about that? Maybe it is a completely like tangential skill. So for example, I participated in a coach training program called Well Coaches because I do have a wellness focused leadership role at my institution and I just wanted to gain that skill set. So it's been like kind of a. Tangential thing that I've gotten to spend time on, but it's been really fun to like learn something new and just have something that I'm developing that's not like specific to the nuts and bolts of what I'm doing every day within my career. So that's something to really reflect on. Is there something you want to learn or get better at some specific skill set or topic? And then the last thing I tend to do is to really look at my calendar at a wide view. I'm not saying like what's coming up next week. I'm more saying like, look at 2022. Are there certain conferences I want to try to present at? And if so, when would I need to have abstracts ready? Or like, are there certain numbers of a certain type of specialty clinic I want to fit in? And if so, like how many times would I want to do that? You could also think about time off, although I tend to do that more during my personal planning sessions. But looking at your calendar with a very wide horizon, uh, whereas normally we're looking at much more like what's going on today or what's going on next week, can be really helpful to kind of shape your priorities and goals. So there you go. That is kind of how I would spend a work planning day. I think logistically, maybe you could do a morning clearing the decks, cleaning up your someday maybe list, clearing out your Apple notes, maybe a lunch with a colleague where you can talk about dreams and goals. And then the afternoon thinking about what you'd like to learn, looking at your calendar and identifying the top few goals for the next Quintile or quarter. So please let me know if you try something like this. I have done a versions of this before, and I think I'm going to try to block my calendar off so I can really spend a day doing this before the end of the year. But yeah, I think it can be really useful in setting directions, setting priorities, and just continuing to make work a meaningful part of your life. Because hopefully, if you are lucky enough, like I am, to have a job that I find really valuable and meaningful, I want to make sure I'm giving it my all but also in a you know a balanced paced way that i'm not you know going to burn out because i'm trying to do 10 things at once. All right, so that's the work side of things. And then i wanted to talk a little bit about like personal planning. So again, you could do kind of a pre-made version. There's also, for example, Cultivate Your Year Live Um, which I think is coming up that's by the Cultivate What Matters Planner where they help you go through your planner. So that would be kind of a version of a planning day. I prefer to do kind of do my own thing when it comes to personal planning because I mean, I spend a lot of time just looking at my planners and thinking about my list and going through month by month. And so I actually did this fairly recently with my husband. We took a brief trip. It was only like 40 hours or so. It wasn't even 48 hours. I think we left- at 4 p.m. on a Thursday, maybe 3 p.m., drove two hours, got to our destination, which was Vero Beach in time for dinner, checked in, and then had all of Friday completely to ourselves, which, you know, we got to spend time together, kind of being on our own timetable. But one of the things I wanted to do and that we did do was spend some of that time planning. Then we had that night to hang out together, have dinner, just have a really nice, fun couples night. And then the next morning we had several hours again to spend planning before we had to leave. I recognize that for everyone spending that kind of rare quality time doing planning exercises isn't necessarily what they would pick, but I actually, you know, it was more fun than it sounds because it's planning is really just envisioning the kind of future you want to make together. And so yes, I spent a lot of time like decorating my own products, which as you know, like makes me very happy. But we also spent a lot of time talking about fun, positive things that we want to make happen. And that can be really, really enjoyable and bring you together as a couple. So I think I think it's underrated having these kind of couples planning retreats. So one of the things that I did while I was there is I took out my Ashley Shelley monthly planner, and the reason I chose to bring this and use this is because I actually have the um, Amanda's favorites version, but uh, which sold out. But she sold, sells her own version in two different sizes, and it's this little booklet where you have a full month spread, and then between you have a page. And so I spent all this time not only filling out the calendar portion, like with all the big things I want to happen in 2022, but also creating lists in the pages that go in between for kind of all the key things I want to make happen and think about and track throughout the year. Because I do find that, you know, if you are, if you have a list where you want to track the movies that you want to see, you're more likely to seek out good movies. So it kind of comes full circle. And just to share the list that I did make after I went and through um, my calendar, I made a 22 for 2022 list. I made a family travel ideas list. I made a local outings list, a restaurants list, TV to watch list, a movies list, a list for a couple mini break ideas and date ideas, a things to make cooking list, a fall fun list. And that's the only season I really enjoy making a seasonal fun list. So I just went with it a list for music, a 2022 gift list for the holidays next year, and then ideas for 2023. And that might sound like a lot, but I had a lot of fun make, you know, starting some of these. Most of them are still kind of blank as they'll get f- filled in throughout the year. but it just gave me a lot of like things to talk about and think about. And you know, then you end up down tangential rabbit holes. Like my husband and I ended up making a list of all of our favorite movies of all time or try to identify our top ten movies, which is also a very fun exercise, by the way. So I ended up doing that. I also, as I said, went through the 2022 calendar with a fine-tooth comb and thought about especially what days I want to take off and kind of what I want to do with those days off because I find paid time off to be a precious gift. I'm very happy that my job has that as a benefit. You know, it's interesting. I know there are some companies where, like, they don't give you any time off, but you can just take as much as you theoretically want. No, no, no. I love the structure of knowing, like, I have built into my contract, you know, 20 whatever it's actually about 29 days off through the year, which is which is a good amount. That does include holidays. So if the office is closed on Christmas, that does count as one of my days if I'm not working in the hospital on call, but that's okay. It still is a decent amount of days off and I'm grateful to have them. And I want to use them like really purposefully. So I thought about like what family trips we wanted to take and what couples weekends and which holidays I wanted to try to request off and all that. I think I'm especially sensitive to it because You know, as a two physician couple, my husband and I have worked so many holidays and, you know, really have to think about which holidays we want to try to get off together. So if there's not intention put into it and we just kind of get what we get, we can be really disappointed. And so I really wanted to spend the time putting thought into what we wanted to do for the year. So I found that really rewarding. My husband and I also spent some time looking at our five-year family travel plan. Now, I just did a whole episode about this on Best of Both Worlds with Laura Vanderkam, so you can listen to that. It's coming up, I think, in a week or so. But um, yes, I have a five-year. It's very tentative. It's very loose and flexible. Don't worry. I haven't, like, booked my travel for 2026 or anything, but we had fun kind of talking about various trips we might want to do with the kids in the future. And then we got into a little bit of what I guess I would call couples planning. So it was more me helping him plan. I wanted to have him on this episode. He's been working like crazy this week. And so it wasn't possible, including a bunch of late nights. But maybe he'll have to come on in the future. But my husband identifies as a questioner in the Gretchen Rubin framework, which means he's more uh, responsive to like his own his own expectations and less to outer expectations. And he does have his own planner. I think I've mentioned it. It's like a little Filofax black notebook with sections that have grid paper in it. I guess it's like a little mini binder kind of, because they're not discs, they're rings, but it's like they're very small rings. And so that is his actual planner. And I kind of think I may have influenced how he has arranged his list, but he... Yeah, in theory, does lists for each quintile and like for the year and someday maybe. But he's the kind of person that tends to generate a lot of items for a lot of lists. And after a certain point, I'll just notice that he has like 10 pieces of paper with random words written on them in random, not random, like there's a sense to them, but to an outsider might not be obviously understandable. And it makes it really hard for him to actually see like the whole picture. I mean, cause he has like these 10 pages and he's flipping between them and half of them are crossed off and he doesn't always cross things off when he does them. So we actually spent a good couple of hours going through all of these and curating them, crossing things out, deciding what he wanted to keep. And out of this pile, we created a list for the next quintile for him. This trip took place in late October. So we just said, okay, from now until the end of the year. So like quintile five, a list of things he wants to try to do in 2022, and then a someday maybe list. And then each of those lists are divided into quadrants where he's got like work and self and family and hobbies. I think those were his four things. So that is kind of similar to how I tend to break up my goals. Mine is work, self, family and blog pod. So I guess his blog pod is more like hobbies. But I think he really did feel better after we finished this. It was like he had cleared the decks. I think it helped him to prioritize, especially as he was pulling some things off the list that he was thinking about doing in the next couple of months and other things he was like admitting to himself that he was not going to get to them now, but wanted to get to them later. And after doing that, I actually saw him put together a weekly spread. It was two weeks on one page. It was kind of bullet journal style. And there were even checkboxes on some of the days for things he wanted to do. And honestly, that's not something I've seen him do a lot. So I do think that putting these lists together helped him gain clarity on just kind of what some of his priorities are. I'll have to ask him if he felt any less stressed out after doing that. Again, hopefully I can have him speak for himself on a future episode, But it was a really fun exercise, and I'm glad we got to do it together, and I'm glad he's pretty patient with me when I am trying to help him plan in my image or something like that. All right, so I hope this helps anybody that is wondering about putting together a possible planning retreat, either if that is a work-focused session, a life-focused session, a session with your couple, or maybe uh, our partner, or maybe you have put together all three. I don't know. There are definitely no one right way to do this. And I do think experimentation is everything. So if you find like, you know, half a day is better for you or, hey, you need a full three days with a massage each day to make this work like you do you and figure out what works. But I do think devoting some time to it can be really helpful and also kind of fun. So we will finish with an audio question today about that's a planner matchmaking. So here we go. This is Amanda. Hi, Sarah. It's Amanda. I started listening a little bit ago
2: because I heard uh, Kate and Dory talk about you on the Forever Thirty Five podcast, and I'm so happy that there is a separate podcast all about planning. I am looking for planner matchmaking, so I have been looking for one that has both it has monthly, weekly, and daily pages. Um, the closest thing that I could find that I wanted uh was the passion planner on dated daily because what I like about it uh is specifically the daily pages where it has a side for your tasks, your schedule and stuff, but leaves an empty page for that day specifically for notes. Um I've those based on my Googling are few and far between, and um, that's what I want. Um, but I would like a weekly section where, if, for instance, in a meeting, if someone says, "Oh, this has to get done this week," I don't have to pick a day. I could just jot it down on um, on a weekly page. So uh, any help you
0: could give me would be great. Thank you so much. Bye. All right. So. This is kind of a rarity that she's asking for. She wants a daily planner that has two pages per day with one of those pages blank. And she's right. The Passion Planner Undated Daily is a wonderful option for this. I do have a Passion Planner mini review coming up in the future. I know that that company has a diehard following, and I think they do great things. I especially love the flexibility they have in the dot grid areas of their planners But she's right, that planner does not seem to have any kind of a weekly spread. So unfortunately, it is missing that one piece. I actually cannot come up with anything that completely has all three right now, but I have some close contenders. The first one, which I've mentioned a lot, is the Full Focus, just because that is a planner that has a very functional layout on the left and a completely blank page on the right that can be used for meeting notes like she talked about. And it does have a weekly page. So in the weekly preview. um, You have space to write goals and check off things. However, it is undated. And in order to make it work for the idea of like, oh, you need to have this project done on November 3rd, you would have to go through and like date the whole thing, which is not a deal breaker. Like one could certainly do that. And maybe you could use tabs to make this a little bit more functional so you didn't get lost in it. But I don't find the full focus perfect for like forward planning. That's why I also use my Erin Condren weekly. But I think it could almost work. So if you were okay with a three-month time horizon and okay with dating it yourself, this would check those boxes for you. The other would be that's like kind of like an almost maybe that I've mentioned before is the Amplify, but they do not have a full page. It's not a two-page spread. I will say they have a good amount of like dot grid on each page. So maybe that would be enough for your meeting notes, but I'm guessing probably not. But I just wanted to mention it as it is one of the few daily plus weekly plus monthly spread planners out there. And then finally, the Moxie Life daily is not out yet, but it looks like it's going to be very big. They are three-month books, and I think there is a page each week that goes through like your goals for the week in addition to the daily pages, I'm not entirely sure about that because all I know about it is from like little snippets on Instagram and from what I've heard on my one of my favorite podcasts, Planners and Wine. But that might be one. I think they're not coming out until November, like mid-November. But when they launch, definitely check out to see if this has enough space for you on the daily plus a weekly spread. Again, I don't know if it's going to be two full pages, though. That's so rare. That's, I mean, that's a unique a unique thing about the full focus. I think the monk manual also has two pages, but I don't think the second page is entirely blank. So that may not serve the right purpose either. So if anybody has additional ideas, which you usually do, because quite honestly, there are just too many planners in this world for any one person to know all of them. And I absolutely cannot claim to know even a tiny fraction of the planners available out there. But if you have an idea for this person, let us know. And of course, there's always the ring bound, disbound, flexible option of creating your own. I never want people to forget that that is a thing. So that too. All right. Well, this has been such a fun episode because I felt like I got to relive some of my planning retreats. And you will have to let me know if you try a planning retreat and how it went for you. As always, you can find the show notes at theshoebox.com, T-H-E-S-H-U-B-O-X.com. You can find me on Instagram at theshoebox.com. Sorry, the shoebox is one of mine, the underscore shoebox, but also shoebox underscore plans is the main uh, Insta for best laid plans. Maybe in 2022, I'll just change the handle to best laid plans. It's probably time to do that. So stay tuned. All right. I hope everybody has a wonderful week, and I will be back next Monday with a very fun guest.